Uh, well, let's uh, go ahead and get in. Before we get into the message, I just want to uh, take a moment, celebrate. Uh, last Sunday, for those who weren't here, last Sunday we had our first connection time after service. And so it was for our young families. And I thought it was great. We got a, a, it was fun for me to see a bunch of people who didn't know one another start to build relationship, get to know one another, and, and uh, build uh, connections that way. And so uh, we're going to be having more of those connection times immediately following services. The next one's actually going to be two weeks from today. We'll talk about that more next week. Next week we won't have... Uh, any connection time, because next week, as we said, is Man Day, and, uh, and I'll, I'll just say this, I'll double down on this for Man Day, okay? Seriously, I have a message for the men here, okay? If, if you're 12 and older, I, I have something that I want to share with you. It's something that's on my heart for the men of this church, and so if you're a man, you need to be here next week to be encouraged, um, but again, if you have a man in your life in any way, trust me, invite them next week. They're going to be encouraged and lifted up by the message that I got for them next week, Okay. Well, let's uh, go ahead and get into the message. I want to welcome those uh, that are guests, myself. I mean, I love it. I got to meet a couple here. It was just their uh, second time back for, for a while, and it was, it was fun to get to meet them. And I know there's other people in the house that are, this might be your first time. We just love guests in the house. Uh, if I didn't get a chance to meet you, come say hi before service is over with or before the day is over with. Uh, but we kicked off last Sunday our new series, The Jesus Way. We said this summer, what are we doing? We're walking through the first eight chapters of the book of Mark. And we're going to look at the life of Jesus, and we're going to look at Jesus and say, okay, based on what we see in Jesus, is there something that needs to change in our life? Remember last week we said if there was a, a big so what for the whole series, it's this. It's that spiritual maturity looks like Jesus. If we want to grow in our faith, if we want to be mature believers, then we need to look like Jesus. And so my prayer is that we don't go this summer and just be like, oh, yep, I heard that story about Jesus. Yep, I know that one. I've heard that one before. But that we would say, what is important to Jesus? What does Jesus value? Where does he challenge us? Where does he think differently than I do? And then I need to come in alignment with that, okay? Part of this was a challenge is that we were going to read through the Gospels this summer, all right? So we're going to read one chapter of a Gospel every day this summer. If you weren't here last week, there are these bookmarks that look like this, Okay, you can go back to our Connection Center, and there's a stack of them sitting there, okay? Grab one of these bookmarks, and if you, if you haven't already, just go ahead and jump in. Don't worry, you're a week behind, not a big deal. Uh, just jump in. We started with the book of Mark last week. Today is Mark chapter 7, um, but just go ahead and jump in with us, and let's be reading it. Every day reading, how can I see Jesus better, and how can it challenge the way I live my life, all right? So that's what we're going to do, okay? So today we're going to dig in a little bit deeper. I want to ask this question. What is God like? All right? What is God like? Think about that for yourself. If you were to think, what is God like? We all have a different perception a little bit of what God is like because all of us were raised differently, right? Based on how we were raised, based on what we were taught, we have different perceptions of who God is and what he's like. You know, you can think maybe you went to Sunday school or maybe, maybe you've studied the Bible a little bit. You've read about God and you have different perceptions of what God is like. Maybe you weren't raised in church at all, but you think about uh, God based on what you see in nature. Some of you were that way. You've seen like, man, God must be pretty big. He must be pretty powerful if he made nature. But, but honestly, for some of us, we think about experiences. Some of you have gone through really cruddy things in your life. You've had really hard times in your life. And those experiences can influence how we view God, right? They can, they can give us an understanding of what God's like. For right or for wrong, whether it's informed or uninformed, it, it leads us to this point. How many of you have ever heard someone say, I think God is like, you ever heard people say that? 
well, I think God is like that. No, but I think God is like this. Everybody has an opinion. Even kids have an opinion of what God is. I did this a couple years ago, and, uh, and I just wanted to use it. I think this is, uh, this is really helpful. What I did was I took some pieces of paper to kids, uh, kind of some first graders, second graders, and I just asked them, God is like dot, 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 and ask them to fill it in, okay? And, and here's what some of the answers that I got from some of the kids. This one, God is, God is like, I think at God, <laughs> I love the language, I think at God is big and pretty. I think he's pretty is what he had written there, okay? This is another, another person who wrote, I think God is smarter, smarter than my teether, t- teacher, I'm assuming. God is smarter than my teacher, okay? Next one says this, I think he is nice. So, so that's great, okay? And then another one. God is amazing, and God is very smart and victorious. So I think smart and victorious and powerful. God is great and kind. God is loving. That's good. And then this one, God is weird. <laughs> got some work to do there. Then we got some pictures. Here is God. The earth is his footstool. This is biblical. The earth is his footstool. Okay, and then we get the next the next picture here, it's like kind of creepy, googly-eyed God. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I want that God. And then, then this one came up, and this one confused me a little bit, the next picture. Uh, because I think they were confused as to what they were supposed to draw here. <laughs> like, this isn't exactly God. And then this last one, this girl could preach. This girl wrote this. I think God is like a superhero that saves people and raises people from the dead and takes demons out of people and heals people. God is a loving God. That's a third grader, okay? And she will be here in two weeks to preach. It's going to be great. Okay. We have different perspectives about what God is like, all right? Uh, but why does this matter? Why is it important? Here's a quote from A.W. Tozer. He says this, What comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Why? Why? Because what we think about God impacts the way we relate to God, okay? But even more importantly, the way we view God impacts the way we relate to other people. So in turn, our view of what God is like impacts every relationship in our lives, all right? And so this is why we're going to take some time to look at who God is. And I believe God's going to reveal something of his character to us this morning that's going to challenge how we live, all right? If you got your Bible, turn with me to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, it's where we're going to be at today, uh, beginning in verse 16. Uh, I mentioned this, uh, we went ahead and put, purchased some Bibles. And so I think it's really important that you look at the Scripture, because we're going to be walking through the text this summer. And so at the table right in front of the sound booth, there's going to be a table there every week. There's Bibles on that table. If you ever come in and you forgot your Bible, you don't have your phone with you, whatever, you can grab, borrow one of those off of the high tubs, drop it off when you're done. But if you don't own a Bible, those are our gift to you. So if you're here this morning, you're like, I don't have a Bible. I would love a Bible. Grab one of those Bibles on your way out the door. Write your name in it. It's yours, okay? And so make those available to you every week. Would you stand with me as we're going to read our primary text this morning? Nothing sacred about standing. It's just what we do around here to honor God's word. I'm going to be jumping around a little bit, so just try and follow along here. Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 16, says this. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me. Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Jump down to verse 21. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? 
Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. Jump down to verse 32. That evening after sunset, the the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. Jump down to verse 40 now. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you do want to speak to us today. So, God, we just offer you these moments. We open our ears and we say, God, speak to our hearts. God, teach us something of who you are that it would change us. We pray that in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. You can be seated. All right, so how do we know what God is like? You might say, well, I I read scripture, but sometimes I have a hard time understanding what this God is like. There's a couple verses that I think are really important for us to understand. The first is that of Colossians chapter 1. It says this, the Son, being Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. He's the image of the invisible God. It goes on in Hebrews chapter 1, and it says this, the Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. So if we are going to ask this question, what is God like? Whenever we look at scripture, here's what we need to think. This needs to be a guiding principle, especially as we're talking about looking at the gospels. Here's this. Jesus' life reveals God's heart. Jesus' life reveals God's heart. If you got your notes, you can follow along with me. It's on the back side of your bulletin. Okay? We need to understand this. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. If you want to know what matters to God, look at Jesus. If you want to know what frustrates God, look at Jesus. If you want to know what his, his heart just beats for, longs for, look at Jesus. You want to know what God's like, look at Jesus. And so, so here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going, to, we're going to see something about the character of who God is through the story and the passage that we just read, all right? So we're actually going to begin this morning with our big so what. So if you've got your notes, look at the big so what here for this morning. It's this. Big so what is God is for the outsider. God is for the outsider, okay? We all know what it's like to be the outsider, right? You know what it's like to be the person on the outside. Maybe it's that time you didn't make the team, that time you didn't get in that club, you didn't get in that school. How many of you ever been locked out of your car before? Anybody been locked out of your car before? Okay, Amber and, I, Amber and I locked ourselves out of our house one time. We went for a walk and came back and was like, oh no, <laughs> And $125, and 10 seconds later, we were back inside of our house. It was great, awesome, okay? But we know what it's like to be an outsider. But my guess is at some point in your life, you've been an insider, right? It's kind of fun when you're the insider, all right? When you, when you, uh, you know, you, you make the team, when, when you're in the cool crowd and everybody likes you, you get to go to that cool party with everybody, you know, whatever it is. We know what it's like to be an insider. I had this happen to me uh, several years ago. I was... Uh, maybe 12 years old or so, okay? And uh, my dad flew a lot for business. And so because of that, we had free miles. And so he had a business trip to Europe, and he had enough miles that we all got to go to Europe. It was awesome, okay? And so on the flight back, we're checking into the flight, flying home. You know, that's the long flight, the seven, eight-hour flight from Europe, you know? And my dad comes back from the counter, and he's got a big grin on his face, and he says, guess what? They overbooked the flight. And we're like, why are you smiling, you know? And he's like, they bumped us all up to business class. 
All right, so if you've never flown overseas, business class on an overseas flight is way better than first class on a regular domestic flight. Okay, it's a, they got that big lounger seat to like lay back like this. It's, a, it's amazing, okay? And so I had never experienced this before, you know? What do they more, normally they make us poor folk walk past the rich people in the nice first class seats, and we're like, your seats are so big. <laughs> I want to, I'm going to go back there by the bathroom, <laughs> you know? You know? <laughs> but, but for once... I got to be the insider. I felt like the, I got to go in. This lady's like, whatever you want, you know, and they don't feed us on plastic. It's like big plates and big goblets, and it feels like it's awesome. And this is like a night flight. So everybody is like laid back sleeping. I'm like, you fools are wasting time. I got this lady coming. I'm like, give me another. She's like, anything you want. I had nine glasses of apple juice and five glasses of orange juice in a seven-hour flight. I went to the bathroom the whole time. It was amazing, but... But I was like an insider, like it was awesome, like cool, right? So we know what it feels like. And what's cool about being an insider is in this world, when you're an insider, you get treated differently, right? Like you know what it's like. The insider's like, that's why you want to be the insider. I get to be part of the, the cool crowd. I get, I get some, some cool stuff that the other people don't get, right? And um, this is kind of what's taking place in this story. Because you've got these two... Men, you've got Simon and Andrew. Who's Simon? Simon is Peter. You've got Peter and Andrew. They're hanging out. They're fishermen, right? Now, fishermen were, were the outsiders. They weren't the insider. They weren't the cool guys. They didn't have money. They didn't have influence, right? Uh, they, they weren't educated, and they stank, okay? Nobody wanted to hang out with the fishermen, all right? They didn't get invited to the parties because they smelled, all right? And, and these, ins, these outsiders have this man come up to them, and it's Jesus. And you know what Jesus was called? He's called a rabbi. You know what rabbis were? They were the ultimate insider. They were the person that everybody wanted to be connected. If you, if you got called to follow a rabbi, man, that was the greatest thing. You suddenly got to go to the cool parties. You suddenly got the connections. You saw now like, oh, my life just got way, way better. All right? And this is what Peter and Andrew are thinking. This Jesus comes up and he says, what does he say to him? Come, follow me. They're thinking, oh, this is going to be awesome, right? It's going to be us four no more. We're just going to hang out and cuddle around. And he's going to read the law and it's going to be so great, right? But look at what Jesus said. Immediately, Jesus talks to them. He says this, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. What's Jesus saying? First thing he says to these people, he's calling them in. And here's what he's saying. I'm calling you inside, and the whole reason I'm calling you inside is to go reach the outsider. Like, the point of being an insider here isn't like, hey, we'll just hang out, just us guys. It'll be super fun. Forget everybody else. No, he's saying, we are here. The reason you are even called to be on the inside is to go to the outside, to reach the person who is far from me. We see the heart of God right away that his heart isn't just to say, hey, we're going to come in this room. That's why I talk about it here as us as a church. We don't just simply come in this room and we'll just hide here once a week and this will be great and then go carry on our lives. No, we are called to grow in our faith so that we can go make a difference in the world around us, right? 
That's what we've been called. That's the heart of God. His heart is for the outsider. You don't have to look any further than the story we just read to see what I'm saying. See, Jesus says that he, he heals the demon-possessed and the sick and the leper. You're familiar with the parables? There's three parables that we see in Scripture. There's the parable of the lost son. I talked about this one a few weeks ago where, what, the, the man has lost his son. His son is off far from God. And rather than sitting back and saying, well, I'm happy with the one son I've got. No, where is his eyes looking? His eyes are looking to the hill saying, man, I hope that son comes back. I want that son. There's the parable of the ten coins, right? Ten coins, the woman loses one coin. She doesn't sit and say, I'm happy about my nine coins. No, I'm looking for the one. My heart is for the lost one, right? And then we have the story of the hundred sheep. We got the shepherd. He's like, no, I got my nine. No, he doesn't worry about the nine. His heart is for the one, the one who is far from him. That's the heart of our God. He cares for the outsider. You look throughout scripture over and over again. This is the heart of God pouring out for the one who is far from him. You got the woman caught in adultery. You got the Samaritan woman. You got tax collectors, drunks, prostitutes, thieves. God's heart is for the outsider. And that's really good news for us because that was us. And for some of you this morning, that's right where you're at right now. You walked in the door this morning. You just came. Maybe somebody invited you. Maybe you just walked in these doors. But you would recognize, you know what? I am that outsider. I don't feel like I have a place. I I, I don't even know if this God would care about me. Is there anybody that would care about me? Hear this. God cares for you more than you can imagine. God is for you. He's not against you. And I don't think there's any scripture that makes this more clear than in Romans chapter 5 where it says this. But God demonstrates his own love for us when? While we were still sinners. When is that? When we were outsiders, Christ died for us. God's heart is for the outsider. It's for us, no matter where you're at. But you need to hear this. This is an important truth in your notes. It says this. God meets us where we are. God meets us where we are. Remember what I said earlier? I said that how we view God affects how we relate to God. And if we view God that God really isn't passionate about the outsider, then we're going to feel the need to clean ourselves up before we ever come to him. We're going to feel like we need to get our stuff in order. Like, I can't come to God when I've got stuff going on. You ever had those seasons where maybe you've kind of stepped away from God a little bit? You haven't been giving him the attention that, that he deserves, and you kind of get lost in some things, and maybe you've gone sideways in your life, and sometimes we feel this need that, well, I better get this junk back in order before I come back to God, because I don't want to come to him with the junk I got. That's not the heart of God. God will meet us where we are. Hear this though. God will meet us where we are, not where we wish we were. God will meet us where we are, not where we wish we are. Because some of us, we, we have those times where we're like, I don't, I don't know if God will come here. I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if he'll ever care that much? Would he be willing to, to, to step into the mud of what I've got going on in life? I, I wish I was in a different place. I wish I could, I could come to God in a different way, right? Sometimes we're just doing the best in life that we can, right? You have those times in life, you're like, I don't want to be here. I wish I wasn't in this circumstance, but God, this is just where I'm at right now. This happened to me a couple years ago. Uh, I, you know, I got three kids. Um, this was three years ago, so my baby girl was only two years old at the time. And uh, so I decided I'm going to give my wife a break. And I'm going to take my kids out, and we're going to go to Culver's because they got ice cream. And I love ice cream. <laughs> so, so I'm going to take my kids to Culver's. And 
the meal is uh, chicken fingers and french fries and uh, ice cream, okay? And so something happened, though. My little girl with her sweet little hair, somewhere between the house and Culver's, the bow disappeared, okay? Never had this happen before. So I got my little girl, and we're eat- we start the meal, and all of a sudden I see my sweet little girl's hair is in the ranch and the ketchup and the ice cream. You've been there before, okay? And I'm like, uh, and I'm a little bit anal, and I'm like, uh, messy, and I can't handle that. And so, uh, so I'm like, I gotta find, I need like a headband, I need something. So I'm digging in the diaper bag, I'm looking, like, is there, a, is there a headband or something, whatever. Can't find a headband anywhere, there's nothing in the diaper bag. And then I'm looking around the tables, or anything I can tire, I've got nothing. And then I have an idea, and I think to myself, my wife is not gonna like this idea. That's what I, and I opened the diaper bag because there was one pair of pants in the diaper bag. And so I proceed to, to take the pants <laughs> and stretch the pants over her head. Okay. And so she's still cute as a button, isn't she? <laughs> Even with pants on her head, she's still cute. Okay. And I, uh, yeah, so... So I'm sitting in Culver's with Dee's got her pants on her head, and everybody in the, I mean, the, the place is full. It's lunchtime, and they're just pointing and laughing, and I'm like, eh, yeah, I'm, I'm an idiot, you know. But, but this, here's the deal. This is not what I wanted to do, right? Like, I was not dreaming, let's take my child to Culver's and then stick pants on her head. That's what I wanted. I was just doing the best with what I got, right? And some of us are in that place in life. Honestly, you're doing the best with what you got. You're, you don't, you're not happy where you are. You're not like, yes, this is what I want my life to turn out like. This is where I want to be. You're doing the best with what you got, and you wonder, I'm not sure that God would really want to be there. Hear this. God will meet you where you are, not where you wish you were, okay? Let's look back at the text. What is, uh, look at what it says in verse 40. Verse 40 says this, A man with leprosy came to him, that being Jesus, and begged him, on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Uh, you may not be familiar with what leprosy is like. Leprosy is a horrible disease. You maybe heard stories of people kind of losing limbs and things like that, but leprosy starts uh, with swelling in your joints. You get swelling and inflammation in your joints. It starts to be really painful, and eventually it starts, you have a blotchiness on your skin, and the blotchiness expands where it kind of will spread up onto your face, and those blotchy spots will become swollen and eventually turn into ulcers that break open and seep a really foul-smelling liquid, and it's just, it's disgusting. You can't even stand the smell of yourself, right? But that's not the end. If it keeps getting worse, then you start to lose feeling. And this is maybe what you've heard before, where you start to lose feeling in your extremities. And they, and they start to seize up, and, and you might lose a finger, or you might lose a toe, or you might lose an entire foot, or you might lose a whole hand or part of a limb. And suddenly, you'll lose all the hair, and, and just eventually just look like a shell of a person. You don't even look human anymore. But if that isn't bad enough, you, because of the disease, you are sent out from the community. You're not allowed to be around the community anymore. And it's even worse than that because if someone is coming near you, your responsibility, your job is to scream out, unclean, unclean, so that they know that they can't come near you. And so now you are spending your life in pain, in in agony, having limbs potentially falling off. You can't even stand the smell of yourself and nobody comes near you. That's what a leper is, the ultimate outsider, the person that nobody would ever want to talk to. And this man comes and approaches Jesus. Now, what I love in this story 
is the fact that Jesus should have said, based on the rule, the rule was he should have yelled, unclean, unclean. But you know what? Jesus didn't respond. Why? Because he cared more about the person than the rule, right? And I think that's a really important just subplot for us to hear, is that sometimes we get in the trap where we care more about the rules than we care about people. And Jesus, every time there was a question between a rule and a person, he chose the people, all right? That's the heart of God. But Jesus comes to this man, and, and this is what he, he says. He says, uh, it says, Jesus was indignant. It says, he reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Do you notice the order there? What does it say? He reached out and touched the man. I am willing, be clean. He didn't heal the man and then touch him. He touched him, and then he healed him. He met that man and did what nobody should have. You don't touch a man with leprosy. That's not what you do. See, God is willing to step into our mess. He's willing to step into that stuff that nobody else is willing to. In our world, no, I don't, I'd rather not deal with that. I don't really want to talk. I don't want to deal with that. Let's, guess what? God is not like that. God will step into the mess of your life. That stuff that you feel uncomfortable, that you don't really want to talk about, those situations that you try to hide, that you try to stuff inside of a closet, that we like to say, Ooh, I'm going to keep this one just to myself. Guess what? God is willing to go in there, not to go and just whack you over the head, but to go and say, I'll meet you right there. But guess what? I've got something better for you, and I'm going to lead you there as well well. And he stepped in and he touched a man who had leprosy, a man who was broken that nobody else would touch. He said, I will touch you and then I will heal you. And we need to hear that because every one of us, we might be in that place this morning. You may be walked in today and your marriage is struggling. You might have walked in today and you're struggling financially. You're struggling spiritually. You're struggling emotionally. And you would say, God, I'm just standing here. It's like I'm in culvers with a pair of pants on my head. I don't know what I'm doing. Guess what? God says, I will meet you there. I will meet you where you are, not where you wish you were, and I will bring you into something far more beautiful. Why? Because my heart is for the outsider. That's what the gospel is. The good news is that he'll meet us. Not that we run and strive to get to him, but that he will meet us right where we are. All right? Some of you need to hear that for yourself this morning. You need to be reminded of that. And I'm going to encourage you just to open your heart to him this morning. But for those of us that are followers of Jesus, those of us that would say, yeah, man, I'm following Jesus. I love you. We love this idea when it's us. But we can struggle when it's somebody else. We can struggle when it's maybe somebody who's an outsider to us. Because remember, our call as insiders is to reach the outsider, to have a heart For the outsider, but here's a problem that you and I face is the longer we live as insiders, the harder it is to remember what it was like when we were an outsider. Some of us have been following Jesus a long time, right? Like some of you, some of you came in a diaper to this church, right? You know, that you you've been you you don't know a day when you didn't know Jesus. And what happens when that occurs is that we forget what it's like to be the outsider, to be the person who doesn't know what the right thing to do is, what the wrong thing to do is. We don't know those things. And God says, Listen, my heart is for that person. I don't look in condemnation toward the person who is far from me. I look with a broken heart for the person who is far from me. And so we're called to simply share this love that we've received. We've, we've taken on, we've accepted this love of Jesus. Our call is could we share it with somebody else? But it begs this very simple question. It's this. 
Who is an outsider for you? Who's an outsider for you? Now, we can make a blanket statement that an outsider is simply somebody who doesn't follow Jesus, right? Uh, but that's not simply what I'm saying because we can say, yeah, it's, it's people who don't follow Jesus. But for me, there might be a certain group of people that I would consider an outsider that you wouldn't. Maybe, maybe you, you'd say they don't follow Jesus, but I could kind of connect with them. We kind of talk the same. We speak the same language. I can kind of resonate with them. But there might be other people in your world who say, you know what, I, they don't follow Jesus, but I have no connection to them. And they truly feel like an outsider to me. And we can build these barriers in our lives where we don't have the same heart that God has for people. What, what do I mean by that? Maybe it's people who don't think like you think. Maybe that's an outsider for you. Uh, maybe it's people who don't live like you live. They don't have the same mindset, the same morality that you have. Maybe it's people, and this might melt a little bit, it might be people that don't vote like you vote. They may not be people that don't post on social media the way you post on social media, all right? These people can become outsiders to us. And instead of having a heart that loves them and wants to share the grace of God, instead we say, no, I don't want any part of them. We cast them off like a leper. What does it look like specifically? Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's people who are financially rich. To you, they're an outsider. Like, I can't resonate. I don't connect with those types of people. Or it's financially poor. Nope, those people, I don't, I don't connect with them. I don't know how to deal with them. I, I don't, I'd rather walk away from that. Uh, maybe it's a, a cultural thing, a different type of a culture that you just don't connect with and you just don't, you don't want to connect with. You really don't want to share the love of God with that group. Or maybe it's a, a certain race that you have an issue with. I don't know what it is. Uh, maybe it's people who've gone to jail and they've got an issue of a, a situation in their past and you just can't get past that. Or, or maybe it's somebody who's had a, a divorce and you're like, I'm uncomfortable by that. I don't know what to do with that, right? Or maybe it's someone who's had an abortion and you would say, you know what? I don't, I don't agree with abortion. That's not the question. Does God care for the person? Okay, okay. But, but for us, if we struggle with that, we could say that's an outsider to do us. I don't know how to deal with this. I'm uncomfortable by this. And hear this. We tend to avoid things we're uncomfortable with, right? If we don't know what to do, we avoid them, right? Like, we, like I, don't, I don't know where to go with this, so I'm going to kind of just step away. There's an entire community that we tend to do that with, and that would be the LGBTQ community. That we as a church, we as a big C church, have not been great it's showing the love of Christ. Why? Because we can view people based on their actions. We can view them as an outsider that we don't want to relate to. We say, I don't know what to do with this. I'm not sure how to respond here. And so we can cast them off. Instead of saying, God will meet us where we are, we say, no, you got to be where we want you to be. Right? See, that, that's not what God has called us to do. He'll meet people where they're at, not where we want them to be, not where anybody wants them to be. He'll meet them right where they are. And can we extend the love and the grace of God in that setting? See, what are we called to do? We're called to first receive the love of God for ourselves. To embrace the love of Christ that reached us when we were broken. No matter where you're at, no matter what you've gone through, Christ loved you. And our job is to receive that grace for ourselves. And then simply allow it to flow through us to those who are far from him. To say, God, I, I want to be an extension of your grace to those around me, to the outsider. That person who doesn't do the things I want them to do, they don't think the way I want them to think. I disagree with everything they got going on, but guess what? I can share the love of Christ with them. Why? Because God did that for me. 
okay? 